This is the Residence AI Podcast, conversations about the future of media. For our 31st episode, we spoke with Tanya Ma and Kirsten Arbide from Plug and Play Tech Center. Tanya is a Senior Ventures Associate, and Kirsten is the Program and Partner Success Manager. And to begin, we asked Tanya to go back through some of her own history with social media. I was one of the first generation to be on social media. Uh, I remember one of the first things I used was a thing called Bebo. Uh, and that was to just keep track of friends, really, and, and comment. It was a little bit like Facebook, but it was actually pre-Facebook days, which seemingly it feels like so long ago that I can't even imagine life without Facebook at this point. But yeah, it was to keep track of friends and it was really... Is that like uh, a like a MySpace or? Yeah, yeah. Like actually, if you consider MySpace, I'm probably not one of the first users of social media. I think that I was probably that next generation because mm-hmm. I used a little bit uh, of MySpace, but then um, it got really complicated, right? So it went from this like custom web page type of experience. You know, you could choose songs, you could put anything that you wanted and every single MySpace was different to then something more simple. And then so when I used Bebo, it was already templated. You can't move things around. There was one place for description, one place for your top nine friends, which caused a lot of friendship dramas, I would say, when things moved around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you could give people love, right? So I think that was actually one of the first kind of ways for people to say, hey, I like this particular thing. So it's like pre-like days. And then, so that was really just to keep up with friends or just really to express who you were and then comment on the friends that you like. So it wasn't really a communication platform. And then I think that Facebook came around and Facebook was also clean. They didn't give you too much ways to change your profile around. It was really there to connect with friends. And I saw Facebook as more keeping up to date with your friends, right? So it was really like, okay, adding your friends. Okay, we're now connected. It went away from like showing people that you love them or like showing people who your friends were, like who your best friends were on Bebo. And it moved towards like, okay, these are just like a collection of my friends. And then I saw that like, Social media then moved towards more of an exhibitionist type of direction with Instagram. I feel like Instagram was really like tapping into almost like a human need to like brag, right? (laughs) Um, Instagram was like one of those things where you wanted to show off your life and then you wanted to keep up to date with other people's life, but with less of an actual interaction. I think Facebook was definitely more like you were interacting, Bebo was, you were still interacting. um, But then when it came to Instagram, it became less interaction in my opinion. And it became more of a way to, you know, demonstrate either your life, your photos, your abilities or whatnot. And then, you know, moving kind of forward on that, It then turned into like a more of like a business style page, which was interesting because people were were literally making money off the photos that they were posting, right? Whether it be an influencer, like a a model or a photographer or whatnot, brands then wanted to engage with that. And it's just interesting to see that you don't see brands interacting with people on Facebook as much, I would say, until Facebook ads came around, right? So like, I think that like that really kickstarted the whole like social media is a place where you can actually make money. And then Facebook copied Google ads uh, and then added that kind of like advertising space to really make it more of like a solution for brands. But I do think there was this point in time where social media wasn't about that. And then slowly over uh, time, it became about more of like a commercial aspect to it. 
And then now, of course, Facebook is heading into a much more commercial direction. You have small businesses all creating Facebook pages, of course, Facebook ads, Facebook business manager. It has all become almost like an e-commerce platform instead of a communication platform, which has been just really, really interesting to see. Each time like a new form of social media comes about, it's really changing the way that we communicate. And so I would say Instagram was passive communication. I could upload a photo and all my friends would know what I was doing without me actually saying anything to them. And then Snapchat came about and it was more intimate and it was about sending one-to-ones or sending group chats and sending things that can't be stored. And I think that was, you know, bringing people back to a more intimate connection. You can say things that would disappear. And I think that that was like a really interesting draw, but it was all about really like new forms of communication. And then I think with the rise of TikTok, that was like communicating through like a form of self-expression while keeping a lot of the kind of interactive notions about it. When they first launched, actually, they had these things that you can go on live. You know, kids would go onto these influencers' live streams, and then they would actually pay money to interact with these influencers. And, you know, there were people who were saying, hey, if you send me this emoticon, I'll give you a shout out. And then fans were actually paying money in order to just interact with, you know, an influencer. Um, So it's just really interesting how to, I guess, like over time to see that, like, Every single social media platform has become commercial at one point. And TikTok is now doing, of course, TikTok ads. And, you know, every three or so that you scroll through, it becomes an ad. And so I guess like everybody kind of starts off with like wanting some sort of a new form of connection. And I think that like each social media platform that has came about that has been successful has delivered a new form of communication and a new form of interaction and and I guess a new form of like connection. So that's what I've seen over time. I think that now you know, social media has just honestly become almost like a mainstay where every single person has to have a presence, a brand, you know, when you apply for even a visa, they ask for your social media links, which is insane, right? (laughs) So um, it's just so interesting how it's evolved. I think it's become just like almost all encompassing and, uh, you know, Facebook, which was a social media platform is now becoming a you know, a e-commerce business platform, uh, you know, Snapchat, TikTok, these are becoming media houses, um, you know, they're creating celebrities in their own rights, you know, Instagram, same thing, it's become just so much more than, you know, the original app that it was. Um, and I think that that will continue, I think that new platforms will continue to come up that are allowing people to connect in a different way. For example, like Discord, you know, Twitter, etc. It's just always like a new form of communication that ends up being a commercial opportunity also. When you were really into um, Bebo, were you in the US or was that, were you in another country at the time? Yeah, I, w- I grew up in Sydney, Australia, and... Well, that's, I uh, just happened to look it up, and I, s- I see that actually Bebo was bigger than MySpace in the UK, so... Yes, exactly. I actually don't know Bebo at all, and then to see that it's... I was going to say, I had never even heard of Bebo, Tanya, until you just mentioned it. Oh, well, there you go. That's so interesting. Really quickly, I actually have a theory on Tanya's comment about, you know, new forms of social media being accepted really quickly in the U.S. I'd love to think about how as social media platforms have become more commercialized, the layman's use of it totally changes. I think about how I first used Instagram when I got it back in probably 2012 and it was relatively new 
and the joke was, I don't want to see what you had for lunch. That's kind of what older people were making fun of people using Instagram, that you're just posting whatever's in front of you and you're posting constantly, right? And like Tanya said, it's pretty passive. It's not super interactive, but it's very much just check out what I'm doing in this moment, very unfiltered stream of consciousness use of social media. Whereas now people are very, very intentional about their social media to the point that they try to do it as a career, or you're just very much seeing people pose for pictures, seeing people buy certain outfits to appear in their social media pictures, that type of thing. It's much more performative than it originally was when we started using it. So I see like the age gap between me and my youngest brother is almost 10 years. He's a senior in high school. And the way that he and his friends still use apps like Snapchat, which I think people our age aren't really using as much anymore, uh, things like House Party, basically any new social media app that comes out, they're immediately on it. And they use it very much in the ways that we used to use things like Instagram and Facebook, just totally unfiltered, constantly on it. And it's almost like once it becomes commercialized to them, it loses its charm, right? So I feel like these new platforms, they gain a lot of popularity really quickly from people like that who are kind of craving that original intention of social media of just like everyone, you know, here's what I have to say off the top of my head without really trying to stylize it or, or make it appealing. That's really interesting because I feel like there is this sort of perfect storm of, you know, Tanya, as you were saying, sort of the the need to be kind of creators and, and sort of have this professional aspect to a lot of what you do on social media. And also that the technology of our phones has evolved to the point where we can all be professional. We don't need any other equipment. We don't need the the ability to, you know, have really high production values to create content that people are willing to watch. And I think that, Kristen, to your, your point, it's, it's interesting. Are you kind of saying like you kind of see that maybe for the TikTok, there's the idea of being like, okay, I have to produce something that kind of grabs attention, whereas there is this desire for younger people to sort of utilize these other platforms to sort of just be like, yeah, this is what I had for lunch. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, I think when I think of the most performative social media app, I think of Instagram more so than I do TikTok. I feel like TikTok has really, you know, even now that it is housing ads and it's a little bit more commercialized, influencers are using it pretty consistently. It almost has fostered this like amazing creativity, especially in young people. It has these tools built in, like you mentioned, that uh, you know, people work on these crazy transitions that you don't really need any special equipment for as long as you have the TikTok app and you're, you know, smart and creative and, and putting effort into it, right? So I do think that TikTok does have some of that energy of like, I'm just going to post whatever I want, but I can uniquely stylize it in my own way with the tools that are built into TikTok. Whereas when we were all kind of using Instagram, it's like, I'm going to snap a picture, slap a filter on it and come up with something maybe clever to put as the caption and, and put it out there and, and see what happens. That kind of dovetails into one of these questions I have, which is that content, which is, is now become a term to mean pretty much everything. We call a movie content, we call a 10 second video content. 
you can buy, you know, a couple lights off Amazon and use your phone and you look like a pro. What do you think are the advantages and what do you think are kind of the drawbacks of everyone now being a content creator? So I actually just want to quickly touch on um, what you mentioned that, you know, you can buy something on Amazon you, and you can put together something that looks really great. There's actually a girl on TikTok who creates professional ads using, you know, string against a backdrop in her dorm room. And she is able to, because of all the editing apps and the software now that is available for you to actually, um, you know, make your video look beautiful. And also the, the quality of the camera on your phone these days is is incredible you know you don't really need um too much more than that and so she creates these beautiful ads that literally look like you know a professional uh, studio has created which is incredible i think that is absolutely um one of the benefits of this technological advancement and that the fact that everybody has access to it is that yeah you're right kirsten it spurs so much creativity it gives so much hope to anyone in the world because you could be an overnight sensation in a day you know that's what tiktok has allowed there have been people who were literally posted one video became viral and now are almost top tier celebrities in their own right which is crazy i think that it gives people you know hope it gives people anyone who's ambitious and wants to express their creativity can and has an avenue and has a different platform as well you, you don't really like to take photos. You could easily post a really funny tweet and you could become famous on Twitter in your own right or just become like, you know, someone who is a thought leader uh, in that space. And I think that there's a platform for every single type of content and every single type of audience as well, which is awesome. And I, and I really like that. And I think that like as social media grows, I think that being able to reward content creators and really allowing people to choose content creation as a career, I think that is beneficial for the world. I think that if you give people more options, more jobs, more options, um, it does really add value to the world. And, you know, growing up, I never thought that becoming a content creator could ever be a thing. And in that sense, I was wrong because the social media platforms were really new at that time. And so, you know, that's one thing that I'm kind of like, man, I really love that, you know, any kid any basketball player can create a social media presence they can expand their job opportunities their career opportunities they can do anything they want that's really awesome and i think that's one benefit but on the flip side our brains are absolutely exhausted from the amount of content that we see per day there's a lot of absorbing and that can definitely put a strain on your attention. You know, you're just constantly looking at something new. You know, you're, the TikTok videos last three seconds. You're a couple of seconds and you're scrolling to the next. You don't even remember what the first video was that you watched. You know, like I think cognitively it is a huge load and it's a strain. Even just switching from in-person meetings to Zoom, I've found that I have a lot less downtime. You know, as I mentioned, I was on back-to-back -back calls since 8.30 this morning and I can barely remember what I did in my first call, right? It's just back to back. It's nonstop. So I think there is a cognitive overload in terms of the effects on attention, effects on the brain. Nobody really knows what that is going to look like. And, you know, you know, now that parents are having like restrictions, right? They're putting kind of like no TV for this time, no phones or whatnot. People are going on meditation retreats to not be on their phone. And so, yeah, I think that there could be a bunch of negative effects that we have not considered yet. Yeah, I definitely agree with Tanya about 
just being overloaded with content, it obviously makes it harder, ironically, even with having all these tools that can equip people to be creative and, and really put their work out there in a way that you couldn't do even really like five, 10 years ago, it almost puts you at a disadvantage because you're competing with literally everybody else and all of their content and their similar ideas. You see a lot of discourse about people not getting credit for the dances that they created on TikTok. And a lot of time, you know, it does boil down to things like race and accessibility, right? And, and it's really easy, I think, to have this mindset of the internet and social media is like the great equalizer. Everyone has access to the same things. Everyone has access to the same technology and, and you can still create high level content with something as simple as a phone, but it's not necessarily true, right? Like people have access to different types of phones and people will make fun of you on the internet for uploading Android quality <laughs> photos and videos. Like there, there is still of course a spectrum of the type of access that people have. I do like to think about the fact that 10 years ago, the only viable content creator career outside of a major production house like Disney or Pixar would be being a YouTuber. That was kind of the influencer before influencer was a thing, being a vlogger, having millions of followers on YouTube and, and making an income from that. I remember that being like a really revolutionary concept at the time. And that wasn't even that long ago. Whereas now you can basically be an influencer in almost any possible category, like a sustainability influencer, a basketball influencer, a dancer, uh, almost anything you can think of. There are even slime influencers. <laughs> like you have a niche and a unique hobby or talent. Uh, there's probably an audience for you out there, right? So in some ways it, it is an overload of content, but it's also kind of an opportunity for you to like, if you have a really weird niche audience, you can find them on social media. The Resonance AI podcast is produced by Random Inkara and Shane Malin. It's hosted and edited by Shane Malin. And our music is by Damian Johnson. To learn more, go to resonanceai.com.